This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by a remarkable leader, Madeline Bell. Madeline is the president and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, also known as CHOP, well-known. Uh, CHOP is literally known as one of the best pediatric hospitals in the entire world. It's the first solely pediatric hospital founded in, in the United States, and, and just thrilled to visit with Madeline today. Madeline, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Madeline Bell, and I'm the president and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. In, in Madeline, can you take a moment? I'm going to ask you in a moment, after I ask you this question, about Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania and points of pride and so forth. And we'll also ask you today about trends in pediatric hospitals. But before we go there, can you talk a little bit about your leadership journey and how you evolved to lead Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania? Um, so I, I started um, at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia when I was a pediatric nurse. Um, so I was a staff nurse. Um, and I left for a little while and worked at another health system, but then came back and became at the chief operating officer, and I served in that role for eight years, and for the past five and a half years, I've been the chief executive officer. So I never really expected as a staff nurse, you know, as a 22-year-old woman walking in the doors of uh, CHOP to be the CEO one day. And, and, and what was that like? So I so moronically call it Children's Hospital Pennsylvania a couple of times. We'll fix that. Children's Hospital Philadelphia, my mistake. I apologize. But, Madeline, take a moment and talk about your perspective as being a starting nurse at the institution. Talk about the perspective then as a young person being the, a nurse at an institution. And then I want to take you forward to the perspective as a, as a CEO of an institution. Talk a little bit about the perspective of both those positions. Yeah, you know, when I when I started my career as a nurse, I was really focused on just, you know, learning to be the best nurse and to take great care of children and uh, to, you know, really give back and, and support the patient at the bedside. And I never really thought about the bigger picture or the bigger institution, never really understood, um, you know, how healthcare worked. And it was really that curiosity um, ultimately as time went on that led me to, to, to expand my career. Um, but but as the CEO, I'm certainly, you know, constantly thinking about the big picture, you know, what's happening now that's going to impact us, what will we need to do to be position ourselves for success in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. So it's a, it's a very different perspective, but I never walk away from that perspective of a nurse at a bedside. So I think what helps me is that that having that empathy, understanding what it's like to walk in the shoes of the people who work at the bedside, um, and 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 sort of the motivation to be part of, you know, a place that has such a great sense of purpose, and it's sort of the same motivation that I had, you know, when I became a nurse and and came to CHOP, you know, as a young woman. It it, it more and more, some of the great CEOs in the country share the nursing background with you. They were nurses at one time and now they're CEOs of health systems, presidents of health systems, and, and a, a magnificent balance of characteristics that often lead to that. Talk for a moment about, you know, was there a pivotal moment in your career where you started to transition from a person at the bedside to a administrative leader or a leader? Was there some pivotal moment that started that transition? Yeah, I mean, I really recall a conversation with my colleagues as nurses where we were sort of wondering, you know, why certain decisions were made and um, felt like they were imposed on us. And, 
you know, I reflect on that a lot. And I started, I walked away from that, that, that conversation thinking, all right, well, maybe I should do something different so that I can be part of setting policy and be part of, you know, the big picture and, and, and creating, you know, the, the culture of an organization and, and, and understanding and explaining to people how they do fit into the bigger picture and, you know, what's important for them to understand. Um, you know, when I make decisions now, I'm constantly reflecting back on that conversation I had and trying to explain people, maybe they don't like the decision I've made, but if I can give them a perspective of what led to that decision and why that decision is important, I, I see that it, it give pe gives people a sense of comfort and, and a, certainly an understanding. And so I, I, do, I do think about that conversation um, when I'm talking to, to people who are on the front lines. And talk about in leadership, this balance between consensus explanation and just deciding and talk about how you look at those things. You've mentioned already that even sometimes you make a decision that not everybody loves, but even explaining it takes some of the tension out of the room, being willing to explain it and taking the time and energy. But talk about this balance between consensus building and deciding and the impact on teams of feeling like there's nothing worse in leadership. Direction is great, and posing is horrible. Talk a little bit about your perspective on these things. Well, first, I think it starts with good listening. And so I, I, I want to be a decisive leader. I believe I am a decisive leader. And I, I don't like the idea of leading by committee. But on the other hand, I can't make a, an informed decision if I haven't listened well and understood the perspective of others. And so I make sure that I have space um, created for people to provide that information and that perspective to me. And frankly, not all decisions need to be made. Most decisions don't need to be made by the CEO. So one of my leadership principles is to push decision-making down to the lowest level possible in an organization. Um, so in those instances where I do need to make the decision, it's important for me to listen, but also it's important for me to put a stake in the ground and be decisive. You've got such a magnificent perspective and what a remarkable career from nurse at the bedside, which is a magnificent role always, to CEO of one of the great children's hospitals in the world, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It, it, talk for a moment, transition for a moment to CHOP and three or so points of pride in, in Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Well, I mean, first one point of pride, we're just about to come up on it's our 165th anniversary. And, you know, I'm so proud to be the first children's hospital in the country and, you know, really setting the course for um, pediatric health care uh, for, for the past 165 years. And, you know, we've built on being the first children's hospital by just having a long history of discoveries that just have ch shaped children's health care in the country and around the world from the development of vaccines and drugs um, to recently uh, two really great sources of pride is the, the first cancer immunotherapy 
drug that was FDA approved um, came from uh, the first in humans here at CHOP and the first FDA approved gene therapy in the country came from our research at CHOP. Um, and it's uh, those, those, are, those long history of breakthroughs and discoveries are, are certainly a source of pride for me. So, fantastic. 165 years is literally amazing. I do wonder in this time, you know, mid-November 2020, if elections were as much of a mess then as they are now, and quite frankly, they probably were, but, but what a fascinating thing, but probably different issues. The, um, the, the, the next question I'll ask for you is, you had mentioned immunotherapy drugs and oncology, one of the great, great developments we're seeing, and particularly in, in children. Talk for a moment about two to three trends you see in pediatrics that are big trends that those of us in pediatrics or those of us outside of pediatrics should be thinking about? So, you know, I think reflect back when I was a nurse, how often, you know, parents would come to our hospital after their baby was just born and they had no idea that their baby had a congenital illness. Um, and, you know, the baby was brought to the hospital. Often the parents weren't with the baby. And, you know, I remember meeting them at the bedside and, it, you know, the reality that their baby was sick was sinking in it on the day that their baby was born. Um, that trend uh, has, has completely changed. And now, you know, the trend is really diagnosing and in oftentimes treating the baby in utero before the baby's even born. So fetal surgery, um, fetal diagnostics, um, interventions done um, fetally that really change the outcome of, of that baby's life. And so that's a trend. And so the, you know, sort of going upstream before the baby's born, before the baby has a social security number or a name, you know, being able to diagnose and treat the baby. Um, the other area that I that I have mentioned um, that I will mention is the um, the advent of, of gene therapy. You know, the there are diseases that when I was a nurse, children would die in their uh, teens, and they'd never make it to be adults. And now, you know, we have active trials uh, for gene therapies that will really interrupt that gene for uh, sickle cell disease, as an example, and be able to treat the child either in utero or early in life so that they don't um, uh, have the lifelong effects of, of those diseases. And I think, you know, just lots of interventions um, that are happening um, surgically and diagnostically that allow us to really have a much better sense of, of how to intervene on a lifetime of disease and much earlier in the child's life. Magnificent. So it's so fascinating on three issues. And it, it's so interesting you mention these because we get a chance to interview lots of magnificent CEOs. And one that you focused on that I've not, we've not talked about enough is this issue of diagnosing the, the patient before born and really having the parents more well-prepared and the treatment team more well-prepared for how to work with that patient um, longer term and, and, and the emotional ability to sort of come to terms with that, that their, their baby may need treatment right when they come out of the womb and so forth, not, not to mention in, intersections, interventions when the baby's still a, a fetus. So fascinating. And, and, we, and, and then gene therapy and, and more. Thank you. Madeline, one more question. You have this remarkable leadership career, 
two or three pieces of advice that you would give to an emerging leader who, who, who wants to be a great leader, whether they want to be a president, they want to be a service line leader, they just want to be the best nurse they can be, a couple of pieces of advice that you would give to emerging leaders. Um, I'd say number one, by far, believe in yourself. Um, you know, if you believe you can do something, you'll be one step closer to having other believe, others believe in you. Um, I, I would say make sure that you network with purpose. Um, you know, when you set a career goal, find those people that who, who can help you reach that goal. Um, I don't think many people are very good at networking, and often women aren't very good at networking, and so it's, it's advice I often give. And then I also tell people, leave, their, leave themselves open for lateral career moves. Um, careers are not linear. That certainly wasn't for me. And not every opportunity is going to be an opportunity where you're building your portfolio or your title. Um, but I always tell people, take a place, um, take a job for, at a place that they love and a boss that they can learn from and, you know, a place that, that provides them the ability to, to develop their career. I, I want you to talk for a moment about that because I, I am older than you, and I came from the place where you stayed at your career for 20, 30 years or longer, and you never stayed at a job less than three to five years. And the world has changed so much. This openness to taking another job, to changing a job, what's that balance between staying somewhere long enough that you make a contribution that you learn enough towards that willingness to look at the lateral opportunity? How do, some thoughts on striking that right balance. It's very, it's very different than my age group, which thought we had to stay places forever, versus an age group that's a little bit younger than us and much younger than us that thinks very differently about that. What's that balance, Madeline? Yeah, you know, I think that there's there are opportunities to stay in an organization and pivot your career. I'm a great example of that, um, you know, to move in a different area. I moved in overseeing revenue cycle for a while. It's something I didn't know anything about, but I learned and it helped me to build a portfolio of experiences and stay at the same place. And I think you have to balance that against leaving an organization and learning from different leaders and learn, you know, being challenged um, by different problems at, at a different organization. I, but the thing is, I always tell people, please don't leave just to take a job for a title. And I see that happen with young people. Um, I, I see that anxiousness to, to expand their career, and then they go to a place that doesn't have the same level of impact or the same level of talent above them, the, the same level of people they, they could learn from. And they, they come back and realize, you know, say to me, oh, I'm, I, I'm so sorry you were right. I left and I, it, it seemed great to go there and get this great title, but boy, I, you know, the infrastructure and the support just isn't there. And so I, I've seen people make that mistake. So I, I, I always tell people, you know, you have to, to make it known that you want to advance your career if you want to stay within an organization and then look for opportunities that are outside of your comfort zone. Fantastic. Madeline, one of the great organizations in the world. I did not realize that Children's Hospital of Philadelphia was the very first pediatric hospital in the country. Simply amazing, founded 165 years ago. What a great privilege to visit with you today on the Becker's Healthcare podcast. Madeline, Thank you very much for joining us, the President and CEO of Children's Hospital, Philadelphia CHOP. It was my pleasure to talk with you today.